Hello, I'm Pat Hart. When I realised the 6th of February, today, was the birthday of Bob Marley, I began to think about the impact he's had not only on my life, but on the lives of millions around the world. He was born in 1945 and died in 1981. But his music still lives on. His legacy still lives on. There are so many people from around the globe that will talk glowingly about how his music and he as a person managed to inspire them to make change in their lives. So it wasn't just music, it was politics, it was poverty, it was life that Bob Marley gave a great legacy to. Over the next hour, we'll be hearing from a variety of people, people that knew him, the great man himself, and also Lem Sisse, a poet who discovered Bob Marley at a young age when he was in foster care and how Bob Marley helped him on his journey. But let's begin with some words from the great man himself. Reggae music is a people music and reggae music is news. Reggae music is news about history. Things that they wouldn't teach in a school. It's just truth, I mean, we don't have nothing but the truth, I mean, that's it. Bob Marley was born on the 6th of February 1945. He's seen as many as possibly the most influential artist that's ever lived, with a legacy that continues today. It was in 1964, as a founding member of a group called The Wailing Wailers, that Bob Marley first hit the Jamaican chart. But it was 1972, when The Wailers signed to Island Records, that Bob Marley captured the hearts and minds of millions of people around the globe. Reggae music is a music where I and I create. Now this music deals with a reality. The art, the other half that has never yet been told, you know. The youth them are telling through music and them choose reggae music. Sun is shining, the weather is sweet, Make you wanna move, you're dancing feet Apart from being an inspirational artist, Bob Marley cared passionately about his people and the community in which he lived. When Bob arrived in Jamaica, within minutes, literally minutes, 56 Hope Road would be filled with people. I mean, you could hardly find a way to walk through the yard. And these, the crowds spilled over onto the street, down the road. Uh, Bob spent hours, hours, especially at night, interviewing people in need. At that time, there was a lot of political violence, and a lot of women lost their fathers because of this. He became, as it were, the father of their children. Man to man is so unjust. Children, you don't know who to trust. Your worst enemy could be your best friend.
gave a lot of handouts to them. Then there are people who would be dependent on him for hot meals. Every day we had to have funds around to make sure that certain people got something to eat. Chris Blackwell once said in an interview that Bob probably took care of maybe 4,000 people. I think that's even a modest estimation. It might even have been much more than that. Get up, stand up. He did impress me, Bob Marley. It's not just the music, but also the, the words, also the messages, also the lyrics. This is why it was so popular in Africa. It was so, so popular in Senegal. The sound of reggae music uh, had immediate and great appeal in New Zealand because we are islands in the Pacific and somewhere in the back of our consciousness we are aware of the kind of rolling rhythms of the Pacific uh, and the gentle rhythms of, of this part of the world in which we are in. All my life growing up as a Jew I was sort of kept in this very safe little Jewish box and I feel that Bob Marley, you know, he really brought the prospect of unity to the table in a place where it seemed impossible. For me, as a young black boy growing up in an exclusively white environment in northwest England, I had my own road to Damascus through discovering Marley and his music. Shortly after I was born, I was fostered, and then later I was placed in children's homes. In my teens, some hippies on the housing estate nearby introduced me to this Bob Marley. I didn't even know a black person until then. From then on, he became my guide. I was not alone. He was black, like me. The words of black British poet Lem Sissy. In 1973, Bob Marley and the Wailers released their debut album on major record label Island Records. Catch a Fire broke all the rules. It was beautifully packaged and heavily promoted, and it was the start of a long climb to international fame and recognition. Catch a Fire release, Bob Marley and reggae music became headline news. Reggae music is a people music, you know, reggae music is news. It's news about your own self, your own history, things that you wouldn't really, they wouldn't teach you in a school, you understand? People get I and I from the music, you know, and I and I is the truth, right? Because it's just truth, I mean, we don't have nothing but the truth, I mean, that's it. 
kind of feel him by your side, as though he's someone who's close to you. You can feel that this person has had a hard time, but he's come through it. So you can feel his strength, but people also feel his warmth, they feel his perception, they feel his suffering. And I think all those qualities just resonate with people all over the world. First of all, he is beautiful to be photographed, to look at. The camera loves him. He loved the camera. He was an Aquarian, very uh, extroverted, full of opinions and stuff. He definitely had a personality, and that's why those other boys would have been drawn to him to come together for them to do things together. When I first heard Marley, I was not into it. It was too repetitive and simplistic sounding music. I was a real jazz head, and it just didn't make any sense to me. I don't know what happened. Something just attacks, and I found myself laid out, splayed out on the floor, going, wow, what did I miss before? Bob Marley's message was very much about getting free from a system that enslaves so many people. Until the philosophy which old one race superior and another. And I think Marley's music is a serious cry and sometimes very angry cry out against that kind of inequality. It's like Marley's music breaks the spell of the lies that we are told by the ruling classes as to what the meaning of life is. I mean, the message that's out there and has been out there for decades, if not centuries, is that life is only about making a profit at the expense of others, that there isn't enough to go around, and that some people have to be poor. It's a terrible spell, and I think that Marley's music opens a porthole to go into another world where we're free from from all of this. I mean, a real true freedom. When you put on the music, you know, you feel no pain. I mean, that's one of Marley's lyrics. One good thing about music, when it is well, I've been a Rasta from ever since. Because what is, is what is. From beginning to the end, it can never change. So we're just Rasta from creation, you know. Despite a number of attempts on his life and his daily use of marijuana, it was Marley's love of football that eventually led to his cancer. He was passionate about football. And anywhere he went, they would get a side together. And if there was a side there locally who wanted a match, they were right in it. So he injured the toenail and he wouldn't give it a chance to heal. And that was when they detected the melanoma, the skin cancer. And they removed the entire nail and the nail bed and everything and did a graft from his leg here over it. So there was no toenail at all there. And it healed beautifully. And if you were to say to him, did you go and have your checkups and your tests and you would say, what do you want? You want me to have cancer? He used to get very angry. Denying the cancer, wouldn't make it go away. Though he was only 34, Bob Marley's days were numbered. Generally, his demeanor was thoughtful and serious, and I think he felt that too much joking around, people weren't going to take him seriously, and that was the last thing he wanted, and especially because he was in this tremendous leadership role. One of the things that got people to come to react to, to the Whalers is that we could use Bob's father, this white English man, and once you said that Bob's father was a white man, everybody came. All the journalists came, the white ones came, but a lot of them came also to hear about Rastafari. And um, once we put the Rasta thing together, the red, green and gold, all of it together, then they had a hook. All journalists need a hook, what kind of bag you put the person in. And unless they had a bag to put you in, they couldn't do nothing with you. You did feel a certain trembling 
of his aura around him. You could almost see it, you know, and you could feel something. And I'd heard of people saying sometimes, Bob Marley came near you, back off. Just the kind of solidity of his certainty within himself. You know, it's like you feel when you're around shamanic type people. But I think he'd have laughed at you if he'd called him that. He definitely had an incredible presence because I felt that when he walked in the room now is how much myth and whatever you want to build around it. We can develop anybody into the so-called superstar because we live in a celebrity culture mentality. So I don't think that Bob would have liked people to be calling him any prophet or any myth or something. Bob Marley's other gift was that he would read people's palms as a young, really he's three, four years old. Clearly he was psychic. And when he came back from Kingston, someone asked him to read their palm. And he said, no, I'm not reading palms anymore. I'm singing songs now. So I think, you know, that kind of psychic element within him also came out in his music and is also part of the reason why people love his work so much, because it touches something within them, deep within them. He was a very natural person. He would not have liked people to be saying, oh, he could read fortunes. and so If he could read fortune, why didn't he know he was going to damn die and have cancer and stop messing about with football? He'd already had the cancer on the toe. He got sorted out, and then he went back and, uh, and continued with the football rubbish when he's supposed to be a musician. Eh? So how much vision can he have? So I don't buy into any of that, and I'm not taken with any of this aura, aura business. Marley was said to be a prophet. And he himself said that, that he didn't write the music, that Ja wrote the music. You know, higher forces out there were working through him. He was just a conduit. I believe it really was that, that way. Bob Marley, he's the man. I think he has something more than the music, something that uh, even maybe him he can't explain. It's like when we start to sing in, in some traditional parties in Africa, you don't feel that you own the power of holding the song. It just has to be given by something else to you all the way through your performing. And that's, that's something more than just a human being, maybe. It's what I saw on, on him. And I was completely convinced that this is the man, this is a messenger, because a messenger has to go with his weapon, musical weapon, and to talk, and to talk to people. And this is what I think people get for, from Bob Marley. The feeling that uh, it's just a human being who was seeing the past, now, the future, where it should be heading, and just was telling what he had to say to people at that moment. And this is what people are always looking for, for the truth. With all this, we're trying to put it in, into words, but at a certain point, the words don't do justice. You just got to put the music on, turn it up and just sit back and let it bring out in you what what we already know. You know, Marley would say that. It's like, you have the answer, we have the answers to solve pretty much all the problems that we have. It's a visceral, physical, multi-layered dance that, that he brings to so many people and, and to myself and my students. And thank God, or thank Ja, <laughs> for Bob Marley, you know? Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery
After leaving Jamaica in 1976 after a near-fatal shooting, Marley returned in 1978 to play the One Love Peace Concert in front of Prime Minister Michael Manley 
and then leader of the opposition, Edward Seeger. At the end of that year, he visited Africa for the first time, going to Kenya and then on to Ethiopia, the spiritual home of Rastafari. Mali returned to Africa in 1980 at the official invitation of the government of Zimbabwe to play at that country's independence ceremony. It was the greatest honour afforded to the band and one which underlined Bob Marley and the Whalers' importance in the third world. Marley's political popularity, though, began to breed conspiracy theories amongst his followers. I know there are stories and I know there is the possibility that they, they were planning to kill Bob and the CIA and other forces who might have wanted Bob to be silenced. But it was at the time of this that Bob discovered that he had melanoma. It's a skin cancer. It is a fatal cancer. It's one of the most fatal cancers. But the interesting thing about melanoma is it usually is not committed by black people. It is a, it is a skin cancer that Europeans contract. The, it, ha, it, is, it can be hereditary. And so, therefore, it's possible that the real story is that it is Bob's father and his genes that passed on the potential for Bob to develop this cancer. In 1977, Bob Marley and the Whalers released the now legendary album Exodus. 18 years after his death, it was voted the greatest album of all time by readers of Time magazine.
heart is holy, I'm a Gideon. So when the man comes, there will be no, no doom. Have pity on those whose chances grow stain. There ain't no hiding place from the Father of creation. After lighting up literally millions of people around the world with his music, Bob Marley died in Miami on the 11th of May 1981, aged just 36. An icon, an inspiration, a freedom fighter, a legend. Bob Marley's legacy of political awareness through an array of musical excellence will keep him in our hearts and our minds for years to come. Yesterday, Rabbi sold I to the merchant ships. Minutes after they took I from the bottomless pits. But my hand was made strong by the end of the Almighty. We forward in this generation. Triumphantly Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our minds Have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our mind Oh, have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop at the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Yes, some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing These songs
songs of freedom is all I ever had. Redemption songs, all I ever had. Redemption songs, these songs of freedom, songs of freedom. This was an Ecom Media production with special thanks to the Bob Marley Foundation, Lem Sisse and BBC Archives.